Let's pray. Father God, by your spirit, may my spoken words be faithful to your written word and lead us to your living word, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Now, those of you who are here regularly will realise that we've missed, we're missing chapter 3. Well, we're kind of missing it because I'm going to do a couple of bits from it, but Yami's going to be dealing with that later in the series and he's linking it in with something that will happen, as I say, later on. But Joshua 3 and 4 are crucial chapters in this whole story of Israel moving from Egypt into the Promised Land. These are the chapters that fulfil the promise. They fulfil the promise that was made to Moses when God told him to bring Israel out of Egypt. It fulfils the promise of them moving into the land of their inheritance, the promised land. And it's happening right now in these two chapters. Chapter 3 is a preparation and the, and the first movement and then chapter 4 sees them taking the first steps into the promised land. The thing about God's promises, they are always fulfilled. Not necessarily in the time scale that we want. For the Israelites... It took 40 years plus, nearly 50 years, for them to see God's promise fulfilled. I'm sorry this isn't a very clear map, but we start kind of over here somewhere, um, and then we, we come down, we come over the Red Sea, they come down to Sinai, they go up, and they almost get into, into the promised land, and then they come back down again, and then they wander up a bit more. And we're kind of right up at the top of the map there. That's where this story takes place today. But it took them 40 years to do that. Somebody once worked out that if they'd gone from, from where they were in Egypt, straight, if they were able to go straight into the Promised Land, it would have taken them 40 days. But because of their disobedience, because of their grumbling... God sent them on this weird, weird route and it took them 40 years to get to where they wanted to be. And now they were ready to cross the Jordan. Now they were ready to take up their inheritance. But it still needed a whole heap of faith for them to do it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, that famous book, chapter on faith says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. They were hoping to get into the promised land. But what they couldn't see was how they were going to do it because there was a dirty great river in front of them. There were about a million people. Just think about that. A million people. That's probably the population of Blantyre, the long way and a fair chunk of Zomba, I would think. 
A million people standing on the side of a river and not a boat in sight. Now the Jordan is normally about 100 feet, about 30 metres across. If you go to Zalewa or go out to, on the Chikwawa Road and you cross the, the Shiri, the Shiri there is probably, I don't know, 300 feet, 400 feet wide, bank to bank. The Jordan was about a quarter or a third the size of the Shiri. But at harvest time, when the Israelites pitched up there, it was in flood. Very apt for where we are. But it was in flood. And it was a mile wide, 1.6 kilometers wide. How do you get a million people across a mile wide river? without a boat well you need faith you need faith in a God who can do these kind of things and this is our first dip into briefly into chapter 3 I said we need faith they'd already had faith in this section Joshua 3, 5 says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I want to say that to us today. Consecrate yourselves. Prepare yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great things among you. Imagine that. Preparing yourself today to go into work, into school, into college, into wherever expecting God to do great things among you that was the word of faith that went through the Israelite camp the word came to Joshua and Joshua told his commanders and told his priests and the commanders and the priests and Joshua went right through the camp all million people and said consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So the word of faith was there in the camp. But that wasn't enough. They had to put that faith into action. So we move on. 16 and 17. The water from upstream stopped flowing and piled up in a, gr- in a heap. I love that. This isn't neat and tidy. This is a heap of water. I, I just love that picture. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethen, while the water flowed down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed until the whole nation had completed the crossing. On dry ground. Now I emphasize those three words because it's important. Because if we think back to Exodus, when the Red Sea parted, 
It says there that the people crossed on dry ground. And this is the only time that phrase is used in this context, here and in Exodus. And there are lots of, lots of parallels between, ex- between the story of the Exodus and the story of the crossing of the Jordan. Before they left Egypt, God said to the people of Israel, prepare yourself. And the way they prepared themselves was to celebrate the first Passover. They slaughtered the lamb and painted the blood on the doorposts. They cooked it, they made the the unleavened bread, they they had a meal so that they were ready to leave. That was their preparation. We've just seen in in that earlier verse, in verse 5, consecrate yourselves, prepare yourselves. So again, God is getting them ready. We've got that comparison there. Then we have the comparison of the Red Sea being piled up and the Israelites crossing on dry ground. It wasn't even muddy. It's not like here in the wet season where you walk down a dusty road and you suddenly are up to your ankles in mud. It wasn't like that. It was dry ground. God had that much care for his people. And here, crossing the Jordan, they crossed on dry ground. Just the same. Now what we've got to remember is, the generation that crossed the Red Sea had died. Their disobedience, their grumbling, God took them on that weird route. And during that time, that generation died. And Joshua's generation and the one that came after him were the ones that were going to cross the Jordan. And this is a kind of reminder to that generation what he'd done to the one before. He was looking back so that they could move forward. He was looking back to the preparation and back to the crossing of the Red Sea so that they could move forward and cross the Jordan. So we have the word of faith. We have the walk of faith. And now we're into chapter 4, where I should be. And we have the witness of faith. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal, on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you, and you and until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The stones that were taken from the middle of the river where the priests had stood with the Ark of the Covenant had been carried out of the river and carried to Gilgal. 
and had now been set up. I guess what we would call in the UK a cairn. A cairn is a marker on a walking route and people add stones to it and they grow quite big and you see a cairn and if it's, if it's misty you look for the next one in the, in, the, in the distance and you look behind you to make sure you can still see the one behind you in case you've got to come back. So you look behind you to the cairn down there and then you look forward to the cairn up there and then you start moving towards it. And that's what I think these stones were. But they were more than that. They were a memorial. And this is where the story between the Exodus and crossing the Red Sea and, 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 and the guys crossing the Jordan differs. Because when they crossed the Red Sea, they didn't build a monument. The commentators I've been reading think that they didn't do that because where they crossed the Red Sea was probably too far away for them to go back to on pilgrimage. Whereas, as we'll see in a minute, Gilgal becomes crucial to the people of Israel. And by building it there, they can come back every so often on pilgrimage or passing through and they can see the 12 stones and they can remember what God did so we have the walk we have the word of faith that God gave to Joshua that was spread through the camp we have the walk of faith where they took that step of faith and walked across the dry bed of a river with a heap of water just imagine you're walking across a river and to one side of you is this big heap of water and you're thinking man I hope that doesn't fall down soon because we're going to get awfully wet so the word of faith the walk of faith and now they have the witness of faith and they put these stones up and sometime in the future a little kid will come along and say what are these stones for? And the parent will say, well, Grandad used to tell this story about how God made the river separate and we crossed into the promised land on dry ground. Wow! I wish I'd seen that, says the kid, almost jealous that he'd missed it. But there were people there who could tell that story. And I'm sure, I'm sure there are times that you've spoken to your grandparents and maybe even great-grandparents and found out about their life in the past. I had a wonderful great-aunt. And her dad had been a, a coachman to a very wealthy family in the place where we, where we used to live. And she used to tell stories about what it was like living, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the show, Upstairs, Downstairs, maybe Downton Abbey. You may have seen Downton Abbey. If you're American, you probably have seen Downton Abbey. I think every American's watched that. And it shows what life was like in the, in the big posh house and what it was like for the servants. And she used to talk about preparations for Christmas. Preparations for when 
the Prince of Wales came to stay and all these kind of things she couldn't tell you what she did five minutes ago but she could tell you what happened 80 years ago and those stories she told were amazing and I wish A, I wish I'd recorded them but I also wish that I'd been able to see them myself because of the way she spoke and that's what people would have done here they would have told their children what God did for them and this is what this pile of stones reminds us of that is the witness of faith having done the walk of faith having heard the word of faith and now they were there in the promised land 40 or 50 years after the original generation had come out of Egypt they were there and what was the result of all of this when the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites God's actions in taking the Israelites across into the promised land had just knocked the legs out from under these kings they were powerful they had armies they were ready to repel the Israelites but when they realised they were fighting God as well as the Israelites end of story they were fearful of what God had done we forget that sometimes we forget because God is our mate God is our friend God is the one we can put our, our, our arm around and say hey buddy how are you doing no he's not no he's not well he is but think of Isaiah think of Isaiah in Isaiah 6 and the vision that he has of God raised up mighty on a throne with angels and cherubim and seraphim going round him singing his praises and the whole place is just full of him that's that's who we worship that's the one who is powerful he is the one who goes before us every day but we forget that because we brought God down to our size there is a wonderful scene in the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe one of the Narnia stories where one of the children is talking about Aslan and one of the creatures says Lindsay will correct me on this he's not tame he's wild this is a lion not a fluffy little tabby cat that we put on our knee this is a full grown proper big proper fierce 
lion who happens to come along and be with us because that's the way he is. But you see him in Narnia, how he takes on the white witch and the powers of evil. And you see his power. Well, that's the same for God. God is the all-powerful who stepped down into earth to be alongside us. But woe betide us if we forget the throne room of Isaiah 6. Because that is who we are worshipping. That is the God that we take before us. Not just our mate or our buddy. And it is that God who put fear into the hearts of kings with armies and made them shrink away as the Israelites came into the land that was theirs. I said Gilgal was important. 1 Samuel uh, 11-15 Saul confirms Saul as king in Gilgal and twice it's mentioned in these chapters as a place of sacrifice. In 2 Kings uh, chapters 1-4 both Elijah and Elisha two of the great prophets of the people have bases there. Hosea and Amos in their prophecies both mention Gilgal as a place of sacrifice and a place of pilgrimage pilgrimage to go and see the two stones and here in Joshua 4 it's a place which commemorates their arrival in the promised land Gilgal is an important town and just across from Gilgal is Jericho and we'll find out more about Jericho um, in a, in a next week or the week after but crossing at that point was crucial because the people in Jericho could see them they could see that heap of water they could see a million people walking across on dry ground and I don't think it would have made them feel too confident about what was coming next So the stones are there as a memorial to remember what God has done, to help people to look back at what he's done as they move forward into what he's calling them to do. How do you remember things? What is it that brings something to mind? A song. Maybe uh, you, you hear a song on the radio or it's, it's on your playlist and it takes you back to another time where you have memories, good or bad, but you have memories related to that song. A smell. Hopefully a nice smell. Maybe something cooking, a cake or, or, or a meal 
and you remember maybe your mother used to cook something like that and it takes you back to your childhood a taste you bite into something and there's something in what, what you've, you've bitten into with a certain taste and you think oh wow I haven't tasted that since and you're taken back maybe it's a photograph you come across a photograph at home and you're taken back to the place and the time where that was taken and you start thinking about the memories that that conjures up well I want to show you an example of how things were remembered in England that is called an Eleanor cross it's a big stone monument and at the top there is a cross and there were 12 of those made, built in the late 1200s and they were each made at a point where the coffin of Queen Eleanor of Castile the Queen of King Edward I in, in England was placed overnight she had died while they'd been away from London and it took them 12 days to walk back to London um, where, to where she would be buried and every night when they placed the coffin down as they rested the king came back later and built one of those as a memorial to the route that his wife's coffin had taken and the, there's three of them still there today and they have a story behind them and people will know what the story is and if somebody comes along and says what the heck's this well it's and off they go and they tell the story these things are sometimes called Ebenezer's you may have heard that phrase Ebenezer stones this is one of mine that is a pot stand and up here I don't know if this is working up in the top you have the Norwegian flag the, the red white and blue of the Norwegian flag and all the multicoloured dots behind it are all the people following the Norwegian flag on their national day their national day is huge in Norway May the 16th or 17th and this was made that they're little plastic they look like little bits of macaroni they're little plastic tubes that are put into a frame and then you put a piece of uh, baking parchment over them and iron them and they fuse together that was made by a little boy called Bjorn just outside of Oslo he was seven and I was staying with, with the family and I commented on it and got the story and on the day I left Bjorn presented me with that mat 
49 years ago and I still have it it's in our house here in Blantyre and I can look at that and I can remember that trip that I made to Norway that's not the right slide okay we seem to have come there seems to be a, a glitch there we'll, we'll carry on without them it's good to remember it's good to look back to remember things in the past but we cannot 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 stay there let's see if that's nope we cannot stay in the past we have to move forward nostalgia they say is not what it used to be the people of Israel moved into Gilgal they could have thought great we're here we're in the promised land woohoo we've even got a memorial to prove it and just stayed there and thought back to how God got them across the Jordan how they built the memorial isn't this great we're here no they didn't do that they moved forward they took possession of the land every so often they could look back I'll forget that every so often they could look back and remember what God had done but they moved forward they moved ahead remembering what God had done in the past our church in the UK is about to celebrate its centenary it's either next year or the year after I can never remember 21 I think it is it will be so easy for people in the church to say oh it was much better when reverend so and so was the vicar church was much better then or say oh I miss the choir and those wonderful sung services that we used to have when we sang all those great hymns and psalms and the Magnificat and all of this kind of stuff or the one that affects quite a lot of the Church of England generally oh I miss the old prayer book the old prayer book is beautiful don't get me wrong I love the 1662 prayer book the language in it is amazing but it's not the language of today and if the church is going to move forward it has to move with the times as they say we have a wonderful friend in Newcastle at our church um, her name is Ella and we had a new vicar and every so often he would change the service cards that we had we're, we're, we're very into service cards in our church with the, the service printed on them and I was talking to Ella one day after we'd 
that there had been a swap. And I said, what do you think of the new service cards? Because I always think, if we can take the older members of the church with us, Ella, Ella's probably in her 80s, um, if we can take the older members of the church forward as we, as we change things, then we, we, we're doing it right, because they're with us. And Ella said, they're great. I really like them, because they make you think about what you're saying. We've been saying these are the services for so long, I don't need the book. I can just close the book and I know exactly where we are. But now with these new service cards, I have to read them and I have to think about them. And I thought, we're on to a winner here. So she was looking back to the enjoyment of the, old, the older services, but moving forward with the new services and getting something out of those because she was willing to take the chance. So the people of Israel set up their Ebenezer stones so they could look back on what God had done as they moved forward into the promised land and took possession of it. Our greatest Ebenezer stone if I can call it that because it's actually wood is the cross of Calvary the cross where Jesus gave his life for us where he died a horrible death but rose again three days later that Ebenezer we need to keep coming back to daily hourly if needs be and as we come back to it we take it with us as we move forward with the cross in front of us why do we do that? why don't we just go back to the cross and sit down and think oh this is a great place to be and here I'm at the foot of the cross oh wonderful thank you Lord for what you did because we have a responsibility to generations to come that we need to take that cross with us we need to take Christ into the community we need to take Christ into parliament into schools and colleges and workplaces and we need to go back to the cross so we can remember what Christ has done with us and then we can take that cross with us and plant it wherever we are and tell people that Jesus died for them that Jesus loves them and their salvation comes only through Jesus as we look back to our Ebenezer but we also take it forward as we go into the world So our greatest Ebenezer is the cross of Calvary. And with that in mind, I want to finish with four questions 
for you to, two of them for you to think about personally over the next week and two of them for us corporately as a church to think about. So the personal ones. What is one challenge that you are currently facing? If you like, what's your crossing of the Jordan challenge? You're standing with your feet just on the edge of the water and you're thinking, how am I going to get across this river? So what is one challenge you are currently facing? What step forward by faith might God be asking you to take? What step forward by faith might God be asking you to take? If you've seen the film Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, Crusade, there is a a wonderful bit where he has to step out a step of faith over a chasm and there's no bridge and you see from underneath him I just hope I can do this without falling over where he steps out and you see the sole of his foot and then he he steps forward in, in faith and he lands on the bridge a friend of ours did a bible study and used that and froze it when his foot was still in mid-air. So you didn't know what was going to happen. And there were people at that time who hadn't seen the film. And they were saying, what comes next? He took the step of faith and stood on the bridge. What step of faith is God calling you to take today? And you don't know what your foot is going to land on. Do you have enough faith to believe that God will make sure what your foot lands on is solid ground? So they're the two personal ones. The two corporate ones for us as a church. What is our responsibility as as Christians to the next generation? Can we just come to flood every week and sit down and say, hey, this is great. This is great. I believe in God. I know he saved me. I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm waiting for my inheritance that will come. And I've got friends around me. Fantastic. Or do we go back to our Ebenezer? Find out again what Christ has done for us and then take that forward into the world. So what is our responsibility as Christians to the next generation? And what is one step we can take to fulfilling that responsibility? We don't have to get to the end of the road straight away. We have to take one step at a time. And as Lindsay said when we were coming out to Malawi, we take a step at a time... And if we can't see what that next step is, we stand still. (coughs) We stay in that spot until we can see what the next step is. But eventually we will be able to take that next step.
So the Israelites had the word of faith. We have the word of faith. It's called the Bible. We have it on our phones, we have it on our tablets, we have it in our hands as a book. And God is talking to us today through that. That is our word of faith. Having received the word of faith, the Israelites took the walk of faith. Are we taking the walk of faith in the light of the word of faith that we have heard? And then as a result of that, they set up the witness of faith. Just imagine you being able to come into church next week and stand up and say, Guys, look at what happened to me during this week when God showed me to to go somewhere, to do something, to speak to somebody. And I did. And I healed that situation. That person became a Christian because I took the word of faith and took the walk of faith. And now I have the witness of faith. And that will strengthen you. And that will make you want to go on further, to go back to the word, to get deeper into the word, to take a bolder step of faith as you go out on the walk of faith. And have more witness of faith. And what will be the result of this? People around you will wonder what on earth is happening. And they will ask you questions. Why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you go go there and do that for that person who hates you? And you can tell them you were compelled to do it by the love and the grace of God that is flowing through you. And just like those kings, people will tremble because they see God in action through you. And the people of Israel from Gilgal went right through that land. They defeated armies They defeated kings. They took possession of the land that God had promised their forefathers. And the people around them were scared because of the power of God. And that is the same God who is in us, through us, with us, if only we would allow him to unleash his power. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the way that you worked with the people of Israel. We thank you for the way that they stepped out in faith and they crossed the river and that they set up those stones to remember it. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to remember what you've done in our lives. But help us not to dwell on the past. Help us not to stay there because that was good. 
like Peter wanting to build the tents on the Mount of Transfiguration so he could capture the moment. Help us not to live in the past, but as we look back at what you've done, help us to move forward into what you will do in us and through us and with us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.